Hello, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the film critic for the website Quipster.net. I've been doing film reviews since 1996, and you can read all of my written work at that website, Quipster.net. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today I'm going to be looking at Woody Allen's latest film. It's called Cafe Society. I've been a Woody Allen fan, at least of his written work, not necessarily of his personal life, for as long as I can remember, since I've been doing film reviews. And I've written reviews of most of his films. You can check them out at my website. But despite the fact that he's done over 40, I think this is his 47th film, I have only disliked two that I've seen, and I've probably seen at least 30 of them, many of them multiple times. The two that I haven't liked have been Anything Else, which was a Christina Ricci and Jason Biggs vehicle, and the one starring Larry David called Whatever Works. I guess the rule of thumb with Woody Allen films is if it has an ambivalent title, like Anything Else or Whatever Works, it's probably going to be an ambivalent kind of movie. Now, Cafe Society doesn't have an ambivalent title, However, I, not to spoil the rest of my review, I will rank it as on the lower end of Woody Allen films that I enjoy. So as far as the genre goes, it's a comedy drama. It also has a lot of romance in it. I would probably call it a romantic comedy at its core, even though it deviates from that on a number of occasions. It's a PG-13 rated film. It does have some violence, generally done for a comedic effect. There's a drug reference, there's some suggestive material, and there's smoking. It runs an hour and 36 minutes. The main stars are Jesse Eisenberg, Kristen Stewart, and Steve Carell. Supporting roles go to Jeannie Berlin, Corey Stoll, Blake Lively, Parker Posey, and Woody Allen actually narrates the film. He also is the writer and director, as he is for most of his movies. This one set in Los Angeles is kind of a rare thing for Woody Allen to actually have a film set mostly in Los Angeles. The cast is featuring mostly Jewish characters who are either from or currently living in his old stomping grounds of New York. His Cafe Society as a film has a different look and a different vibe than we've seen from Allen, the prolific veteran auteur. He's working with a different cinematographer, Vittorio Storaro, who is a very well-regarded, well-esteemed Cinematography has done such films as Apocalypse Now and a whole host of other films that you'll know and love. This is the first movie that they've done together, and it definitely resulted in a different look. I mean, if you just check out the trailer, you'll immediately see that this doesn't look like any other movie that Woody Allen's ever done. And I think one of the more striking things that you'll see in that trailer is that this one is shot in digital, and this is his first film ever done in the digital format, and it looks it. So at its core, this is another case of Woody Allen exploring themes that he's been dealing with since he first began as a filmmaker nearly five decades ago, especially those themes of infidelity, which is definitely a staple of his films. He also has a successful older married man having an inability to resist a younger woman of of lesser age and station. It definitely is a trope that he's gone to time and again, and not only in his film life, but apparently in his personal life as well. This one's set in the 1930s. Jesse Eisenberg is the main star. He plays a man named Bobby Dorfman. He's a Bronxite and an aspiring writer or screenwriter, I guess in this case, he calls upon his distant uncle Phil, played by Steve Carell, to hook him up with a job as he relocates to Southern California, working in his top flight talent agency in Hollywood. Shortly after Bobby relocates, Phil sends his assistant, the decidedly glamour-averse Vonnie, played by Kristen Stewart, to show his young nephew around the town. 
and the two, Vonnie and Bobby, soon hit it off as friends. However, friendship turns to feelings for Bobby, but Vonnie says she's seeing somebody else and they can't really go any further than friendship. Bobby doesn't know, though, that Vonnie's beau is, in fact, his uncle Phil, who's also married of 25 years, actually. However, when it looks like Phil can't quite pull the trigger and leave his wife for Vonnie once and for all, that gives Bobby his in. He gets his chance at burgeoning love with Vonnie, and then things get far more complicated when all of these players begin putting the pieces of the love, triangles, thorny entanglements together in their minds. The main issue I have with Cafe Society is that it features characters who continuously profess feelings of affection and love for one another, and yet very little of what we see these actors do in this film makes us feel like they're truly invested in each other emotionally, even when Woody Allen's clearly going for moments of strong, passionate effect, and that's a word that's used on a number of occasions in this film, passion. A good part of this is because the characters are either too sketchily written or that what we know of them doesn't exactly endear us toward rooting them onto happiness. It's not easy to root for people who are leaving their partners who have done no wrong in order to be with people that they barely really know or they shouldn't have been with in the first place. Also, none of these on-screen pairings seem to work from a chemistry standpoint. You know, there's Eisenberg and Stewart, and we know that they do have chemistry together. This is the third film that they've done together. They have a natural comedic repartee that draws us to them, and yet, from a romantic repartee standpoint, it doesn't really translate here, at least in this movie. Eisenberg, as the star, he rings in his own trademark facial tics. He has that nebbish personality, those quirky body mannerisms. So he's able to deliver Woody Allen's dialogue without seeming so much like he's doing a Woody Allen impression. And that does help for the purpose of this movie because so many times we've seen Woody Allen not star in a film and yet we have somebody like Will Ferrell or somebody else just completely doing an imitation of Woody. Kristen Stewart is usually appealing in movies, at least of late, but she also has a very contemporary look, a contemporary feel. There's something about her that doesn't ring true, like being a woman who is living in her 20s during the 1930s. She does have a fine on-screen persona within the limited framework for her character, but she's not really helped much by Alan's thin characterization for her. And it makes the decisions that she makes within the story not very relatable to us. Steve Carell is in this movie, but... I should caution you from expecting him to be as funny as he is in most other movies. He has done some dramatic work, but this one, he's actually kind of trying to be funny too, but he's not really in a role that was tailor-made for him. I suppose I should note here, Bruce Willis was cast in the role of Uncle Phil and actually started the production on it and then ended up Supposedly, you know, the official word is that he left due to scheduling conflicts, but the rumor is that Bruce Willis was fired sometime into filming because he had, I guess, unprofessional behavior. That's been something that Bruce Willis has been tagged with for the last couple of decades, that he doesn't come prepared, he doesn't really want to learn the lines, he thinks he can just wing it, and that didn't sit well with Woody Allen, of course. You know, he is the director, but he's also the screenwriter, and he's probably not going to take very kindly to somebody like Bruce Willis thinking that he can wing these characters and what he comes up with on the spot is somehow better than the words that Woody Allen put on the page. Now, Woody Allen doesn't appear in the cast of actors. As I mentioned, he does narrate. However, 
He's very ambivalent as the narrator. It feels like an afterthought, and he is delivering his narration in a curiously lifeless manner, as if he had done it at the last moment while he was sitting, trying to edit this movie together, wondering how to tie all of his story threads in and make it a complete package. He does pad out this very slight idea for a story by piling on a lot of side stories that involve such things as Bobby's gangster brother named Ben, played by Corey Stoll, his roughhousing and some of his deeds and his misdeeds. We also get some scenes featuring Bobby's older sister Evelyn and her intellectual husband Leonard. We get their inability to find a way to get their rude neighbor to try to stop making their home life a living hell. These, to me, are very superfluous to the main themes of the story, although I, to be honest with you, I really struggle to find what actually are the main themes of cafe society. Much of the dialogue is peppered with a lot of nonstop name dropping. This, it has an inordinate amount of people that are being talked about, you know, stars of the era, the golden age of Hollywood. None of those stars are ever represented on the screen in a way that draws us into the film's authenticity. You know, for instance, we get characters that are talking about, you know, you can insert a golden age Tinseltown celebrity name that, oh, that person's around here somewhere, presumably milling about the party, but we never see them. You know, we, we basically just feel like, oh, we're actually in Hollywood, hobnobbing, rubbing elbows with Hollywood types, but... We never get that authentic feel of, oh, here's that big star, or here's that big star. We just get kind of these uh, side characters. One thing that's also interesting that I thought about is that, you know, the rest of the country is actually in the throes of the Great Depression during the, the time in which this is set. So by following these characters who really don't have any big troubles... They basically just are anguished because the person that they're trying to date is seeing somebody else or they're, they're just trying to be successful and people are talking about the furs that they wear and the cars that they drive. And, you know, maybe that's intentional in terms of showing the shallowness of the people that live in Hollywood, at least in this era, probably still now. And I think that this further alienates us as the viewers to these characters. We don't have a lot of sympathy in regards to what we might feel are selfish and egotistical people. There are a lot of people who are out of work, who are killing themselves in the country, and yet they're aspiring to live the high life without regard for others. So why should we necessarily root on for their happiness and love and in their success of their careers? You know, it just rings kind of hollow for us. It also doesn't help because the lighthearted and occasionally quip-filled film is devoid of the kind of solid laughs that you expect from a Woody Allen comedy. You know, this has the semblance of comedy, it has a lighthearted tone, and yet the laughs just really aren't there for the most part. So, as a nostalgia piece, I will say that Cafe Society is a nice-looking feature. It has gorgeous costumes, there is an opulence to the set design that does work for showing us the glamour of Hollywood. I think that there are some limitations here. There's a dependence on just a handful of locales. We get certain sets and certain outdoor shoots that are used time and again. You know, this is a very limited budget film, so they did the best with what they could, but it starts to kind of all look the same after a while. Because this is a Woody Allen movie, you're going to get a lot of jazz. This has a soundtrack full of old jazz standards. It doesn't really differentiate itself from a lot of the other Allen films, though we do get to see some of those jazz houses that Allen obviously wished that he could visit 
you know, if he could go back into the past and relive those moments, I'm sure he would. And we get that in this film. Certainly nostalgia does play a role. And it does, you know, the jazz does give the tempo of the movie. It gives it a lot of buoyancy. However, there's still some problems here. We don't believe the romance or any of the romances that are supposedly depicted in this movie. And as it's presented, we feel a bit uneasy about the cavalier attitudes of these characters because they're entering in and out of relationships. They don't have any regard to the commitment of their others' partnerships. Those people who are being cheated on they don't really deserve such treatment because they've been faithful. So I feel like I don't really want to see Eisenberg and Stewart together or Stewart and Carell together. I feel a bit icky about it all. I guess a lot of people are going to feel icky about Woody Allen's current relationship too. Maybe that's in keeping with that. Allen keeps having to re-justify his opinions on that as if it's laissez-faire, I guess. But in that way, Cafe Society fails in its quest to make us actually care about them. So while I don't think Cafe Society is an abysmal film, it's not entirely unwatchable. I, I got through it. I could probably sit through it again one day, even though there are so many other Woody Allen films I'd rather revisit. I think that the narrative's competing story arcs are all here, They but they still fail to properly congeal. And then the entire production ends up seeming like it's completely pointless in the end. So... If I were to rank Woody Allen's work from my favorite film, which happens to be Purple Rose of Cairo, a lot of people would cite Annie Hall as his best film. But if I had to rank all of his work from, say, let's say I've seen 30 of his films, I would put this one down probably 27th or 28th. So two and a half stars is what I'm going to give Cafe Society. And two and a half stars means I don't recommend it. Although it does have the tools, it does have the talent to be a good film or one I could recommend, but it just isn't able to get all of the elements together to make it something worthwhile, I think, for most people. Unless you're somebody who's won over by sets and costumes and period and the overall look of a film more so than story and dialogue and feelings of romance and drama, I think that Cafe Society is going to be a miss with most audiences who aren't just looking for the aesthetic qualities. Thanks everyone for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. If this is your first time listening, I do encourage you to click the subscribe button. I deliver most of the wide release films in the United States. Also, a lot of the smaller films, such as this one, that are in more limited release, and some films that are straight to VOD as well. Also, if you have been listening for a while and you want to support the show, you can do so either, one, monetarily, I pay for all of the movies that I see, as well as the hosting for the site. It's a very expensive thing for me to deliver these reviews to you, so any help that you can give to me is greatly appreciated. I will definitely laud you during one of my future episodes if you do so. You can go to patreon.com slash quipster. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Quipster is spelled Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R. And leave a donation. I'm all, all I'm asking really is for a dollar a month if you've been listening for a while. Also, if you can't afford a dollar a month, I do encourage you to go to iTunes and leave a review if you haven't done so already. I will also read that out during the course of my show as well. The Quipster Film Review Podcast is the name of the show. Until next time, thanks for listening. I hope that you enjoy your time anytime you get to go to the movies. 